This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Gosselin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network. The halfway point of the season isn't here. Not quite, but we're almost there. But we're not almost at Halloween. We are in the middle of Halloween. And to celebrate that, Rick, Ron, and I have our own special Halloween Talk of Fame Network. Special, as I said, to celebrate with some of the scariest, eeriest, most unusual things to happen in the NFL. We also have a veteran who's going, well, he's going to go as a 23-year-old this year, and that would be Baltimore receiver Steve Smith here to talk about how he found the fountain of youth. And as part of our salute to women in the NFL, where we're celebrating Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we'll talk to NFL reporter Andrea Kramer, and we'll check in with D. Orlando Ledbetter from Atlanta, Hall of Fame voter, who can tell us if the Falcons' Halloween playoff outfit is for real. But that's not all. We're going to hear why former GM Bobby Bethel belongs in the hall, celebrate the game's scariest players, teams, or events, and hear why buys, yes, buys are a decided advantage that NFL schedule makers seem to ignore. But first, let's take a spin around the league and goose. Where else but your team, the Dallas Cowboys. That's where I want to start with. Uh, I thought they were going to go as division leaders for Halloween, but that was two months ago. Now it looks like uh, they're going to be dressed up as deadbeats, the least of the East. And you talk about scary. Just wondering, how are people in Dallas taking this? And what are they saying about Greg Hardy? Well, first off, they're saying wait until Tony Romo gets back. And they're also saying that Greg Hardy is a terrific pass rusher. Talent always gets a pass in this town. But even at 2-4, and four, staring at 2-6, and six, there's no real panic in Dallas. That's because they play in the NFC East. Carolina <laughs> got into the playoffs a year ago with seven wins, and that may be good enough to win the division this year. Goose, Greg Hardy, give that guy an extension, would you please? Hey, <laughs> simple question for you. Do the Cowboys win a game before Tony Romo returns? If they do, it'll be in t- Tampa in mid-November, the game before Romo comes back. And that would be turning a 3-6 and six team over to him, and that's a tall order for him to win out with Carolina Green Bay and the Jets left on the schedule. Well, Ronnie, one team that doesn't have to worry about injured quarterbacks or another loss is Carolina. I mean, 22 years ago this week, and I remember it well because I was there, and maybe you were as well. I the was Panthers 10 years franchise. Older. What? I was 10 years older. And I was reading you. <laughs> That's right. 20 years, 22 years ago this week, the Panthers franchise was born in a hotel in Chicago. And maybe you fathered it, Ron. I don't know. Anyway, Take it easy. Yeah, owners awarded a franchise to Charlotte there. But now this team is dressing up, yeah, keep with our Halloween theme, as an NFL heavyweight. Is this a trick or is it a treat? Well, you know, everyone's going to point to Cam Newton naturally, uh, naturally enough, and and say he's the reason he's having one of the greatest, se- the greatest season of his career, and he's the reason why Carolina's doing what they're doing. But I look at that Panther defense, and they are the ones that are making me uh, a believer in the Panthers. You know, the six in points allowed at eighteen point three a game. They're top ten in sacks, passes defended, interceptions, and pass defense in a passing league. They got an All Pro in the middle in Luke Keekley, uh, Boston College's own, uh, who is a tackling machine. 
they got a solid secondary, and I think the addition of Jared Allen seems to have kind of uh, picked up the defensive line a little bit, which had suffered some injuries. I think when you add Cam Newton's playmaking ability to all that, you're talking about a clearly improved team. You know, a couple weeks ago in Seattle, he goes six for six to six different receivers uh, to beat the Seahawks at the end of the game. That, to me, is a guy who's becoming a mature quarterback. So I don't think it really should be a shock to anybody. You know, the Panthers have won 12 of their past 13 games, if you go back to last season. And that one loss, of course, was in the playoffs. Good team, and I'm a believer. Hey, Ron, I thought BC was a hockey school. Until <laughs> <laughs> they play UMass Lowell. <laughs> hey, Goose, you on that Carolina bandwagon? Yeah, they run the ball and they play defense. That's always been a formula for success in this league. But when they get into January, the lack of a pass game will catch up with them. But people forget the Panthers lost their best receiver, Kelvin Benjamin, with a season-ending knee injury in training camp. He was a 1,000-yard receiver with nine touchdowns a year ago. This team would really be a force. He was still there. Hey, Goose, quick question for you. When you looked around the league after last week, there were more 6-0 and teams at any time in league history, but that's the good news. The bad, also a lot of bad teams, including your Detroit Lions, which fired three offensive assistants this week. So I'm going to start with you, since you were from Detroit. Isn't this a scary move for Lions fans? And what exactly is it going to accomplish? Not a lot. The GM wants to fire the offensive coordinator and line coaches because of his own inability to assemble a blocking front to protect the franchise quarterback. The most important guy in a building in a salary cap era is the guy who finds the players. Fire enough people, and the blame will eventually wind up on Martin Mayhew's doorstep. Well, Goose, here's something that's not so scary. We're breaking for commercial. And when we return, it's Steve Smith Sr., veteran wide receiver, who's playing like someone 10 years younger. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Two days ago, Jeff McDonald posted the following. Just watch the sunrise from above the clouds. So stoked. Jeff got 19 likes and 7 comments. Not bad, Jeff. Geico has a comment to add that may make you even more stoked. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance by switching to Geico. And if that doesn't put your head above the clouds, you'll have the extra money to scale a peak that will. Hashtag on cloud nine. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow You know the story of Hansel and Gretel, where Hansel left breadcrumbs on the trail so they could find their way back home? That's what you do when you use public Wi-Fi or shop online or give out your social security number at your doctor's office or the bank. You leave breadcrumbs on the trail for someone to possibly steal your identity and take everything you own. At LifeLock, we use proprietary technology to detect signs that someone has picked up your breadcrumbs to take what's yours. And unlike free credit monitoring services that only alert you, we have a dedicated resolution staff to help clean things up if all those breadcrumbs get messy. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But with LifeLock, you can keep doing the things you do every day and feel better protected. Isn't it time to help protect yourself from someone eating your financial lunch? Plans start at $9.99 a month. Right now, you can get 10% off. Go to LifeLock.com and enter promo code NEWS. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Thank you, Randy. Peace. 
Our first guest is certainly a winner. He's someone who defies all the laws of physics and physiology. Talking, of course, about Baltimore's Steve Smith, who seems to have found the fountain of youth in this his 15th NFL season. 36, Steve is off to one of the best starts of his career, and that's a career that includes five Pro Bowls, three All-Pro teams, eight, and soon to be nine, 1,000-yard performances, and a 2005 season where he reached the triple crown of pass receivers, leading the league in catches, receiving touchdowns, and receiving yards. And we're just getting started, folks. Steve Smith also leads all NFL players in active all-purpose yards, is about to catch Chris Carter for 10th place among the NFL's all-time pass receiving yards leaders, and should reach 1,000 career catches before the season's over. Steve Smith, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Steve, you've said again and again that this is going to be your last season, so I'm sorry to go over this, but I'm going to ask you, because others have reconsidered. I think about Jerome Bettis, I think about Ray Lewis, and it paid off for them. So is there any chance that the three of us can talk you into one more year? And if not, why not? Well, you know, the reason why not is really it has nothing to do with football. You know, um, it's one of those things where you just kind of uh, you just kind of feel some things. You're not really sure why or where, but you feel some things inside of you that you just kind of you, you understand that you're coming at peace with things. And so um Basically, long and short, um, I watched the Super Bowl this year, and uh, Brandon LaFell, my ex-teammate, good friend of mine, was playing, and he won. And so right after he won, uh, I texted him and said, congratulations, uh, you deserve it. And it was probably the first time in my career that I actually was not – I didn't feel anything of like, you know, a lot of players – you sit there and you go, man, that's going to be us. You know, you want to work harder. You want to do this. It's not that I didn't want to work harder. It's just it wasn't something anymore that, like, I I sat there and I didn't sleep the next day or I felt ripped off or I felt like, man, uh, this just isn't right. I should be up there. I guess, you know, it's just the first time that I didn't really feel like I should be up there. I was more happy uh, that the people were up there. And, and honestly, I was happy where I was. Steve, how do you explain what's happening this year? You're 36, and age most whiteouts either are slowing down or retired. So what's your secret? Well, I mean, um, a coach told me um, when I was in my prime, um, and it's funny, as my kids roll their eyes, as, as I rolled my eyes when the coach told me, which is uh, technique beats speed all the time. And if you watch my game, I can run. I can still run. Now, I can't run 100 miles an hour and do it for 70 plays like I'm doing. And so I really pick and choose when I accelerate, when I de-accelerate, understanding the whole concept of the route. So basically, I understand when I need to be a decoy for another guy, and I also understand when that guy is running a certain route that benefits me. So that means sometimes I may line up in the formation that it may not be in as far as like a slight adjustment on a, on a route to uh, versus a certain coverage to release a certain way to make that guy pass me off. And he passes me off, and then I still keep going, then I climb onto the safety, and I get that safety to widen out, and then I'll cut a certain way. So understanding my craft and utilizing my speed instead of just being a guy that just runs out there uh, abandonedly not understanding where he's supposed to be and why he should be there. 
Well, if it, if in fact you go through with this, and, and the certainly the three of us hope you don't, but if you go through with this and retire at the end of this uh, season, because we all love watching you play, but uh, uh, I'm wondering. Jerry Rice uh, said many times he wanted to be known as the best wide receiver who ever lived, uh, and I'm wondering what you want your legacy to be, and and how you're going to think about yourself when your career is over. Well, I have a thing in uh, it's in my mirror in my locker, and I have uh, Jerry Rice's. Stat, I think it's 22,895 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then at the time I did it, um, number two was uh, James Lofton, number three or four was uh, Tim Brown. And obviously those numbers have changed. Um, and then at the bottom I wrote in, in bold letters, where will I be in the end? And for me is I don't want to be the greatest wide receiver ever played. That's never been my uh, goal. But I, I do understand and respect Jerry Rice is the greatest of all time. He's the best wide receiver to ever play the game. So I've always kept that picture in my mind of if he is the best, what can I do? And so that just drives me to play hard, practice hard, um, to, to try to chase him. Understand that I will never catch him. But if you don't have anything to chase, then you really are just kind of aimlessly just doing it, and you really don't understand what, what's your purpose and why you're doing it. So I'm doing it with a purpose and a goal versus trying to be something that I know I can never be and don't desire to be. We're with Steve Smith on the Talk of Fame Network. And, Steve, since you mentioned Jerry Rice, James Lofton, Tim Brown, as you know, they're all Hall of Famers. Yes. Is the Hall of Fame something you think about, and is it somewhere you think you belong? Well, it's something I think I've thought about. It's uh, back in February of 2003. Uh, it is my ultimate uh, goal. I have goals set every year, um, every six months, and all these things. And that has been since 2000, 2003, February, in February 2003. That's something that I've been, that I have, and I've, I'm, I have not been able to mark it off yet. And do I deserve to be there? I just think that what's going on and how everything shapes out is it, it's ultimately up to other people to vote for me. And whether I get in or I get out, the same thing I look at as a Super Bowl. If I get a yellow jacket or I get a Super Bowl ring, I still have all the issues I had prior, and I still have all the blessings I had prior. So it's just something in a moment that I can enjoy. I accept it, and I'll revel in it. But I still have to go back to being a dad and a husband and doing whatever else at whatever age I'll be doing at that moment in time. Steve, when I look at the Hall of Fame candidates at wide receiver, the first thing I check is the average yards per catch. What did you do with the football once you caught it? What's the first thing you look at when you look at receivers? Um, the first thing I look at is I watch, I mean, to be honest, now that I'm older, when I was younger, I always looked at their system. You know, uh, I do. I do tell you this. If I was in a system where I was catching 195 uh, passes every year, I don't think I'd be able to make it to year 15. I don't think I don't think I actually be a more complete receiver than I am now because that has a wear and tear on you, especially the style of football that I play. And so um, I look at how a guy runs a route. You know, is he running a go route? Is he just all running speed? You know, does he break a, a cornerback down? You know, can he be pressed? Is he, you know, just making that corner really earn his paycheck? Because at the end of the day, 
my one-year-old son, I tell corners all the time, anybody can press, but very few corners can cover. And so that's when I look at a receiver is anybody can run a go route. But can you can you carve up a DB in a route? You know, can you turn a slant and a slant and go or curl with press coverage? Can you turn that into a beauty? And that's and that's one of the things I take pride in is I'm five nine. I've been pressed by six three, six two, and five seven. At the end of the day, they all get the same dose of what each and every guy got, which is they understand that they're gonna have a long day and press coverage is not gonna be the only thing they can rely on. <laughs> You know, it's funny, uh, uh, as I was listening to you, Steve, I, I can assure you one thing. Anybody cannot run a go-route, because I've seen Clark and Goose. They can't run across the street. <laughs> run a go-route. Let me tell you about that. But, but, uh, they're all, that's right. They're all doing the little hooks, you know. Uh, <laughs> if I was to ask you, when you write your memoir, and, you, and you, you're going to list the two or three best corners you ever faced, are there one or two guys who immediately come to mind, jump out to you, and say, boy, this guy was tough <clears> for me? The one guy that's always jumped out tough at me is uh, Champ Bailey. Um, I remember going against Champ 2003, um, and I ran a route. Um, I was I think it was first second play. I beat him. I beat him pretty good. He was pressed up. And then the next play, next three, four plays, I mean, he just bench pressed me. Uh, they lined me up at running back. He lined up at linebacker. I just love that there was no part of the field that he wasn't willing to go. And I think that that's kind of been lost a little bit um, in this day and age because you'll, you'll hear guys say they're a lockdown corner, but let a guy go on the slot, he's nowhere to be found. Let the guy line up at number three, and he stays outside, and then they go to a different coverage. Well, you can't be locked down if you're only locking down certain portions of the field. you know. And so that, that's one of the things that – that's why I always respect and look at Champ because he did, with, he did things that DBs today – don't do all the time. And I'm not sure why, and I don't really care, but I know that they don't do it. You know, you can't be an all-around, you know, as they say, an all-around skilled player, but yet when it comes down to it, you're not lining up all all over the field with that guy. As far as, like, now it's so hard now because there's a ton of good corners, but the reason that I, I, I really just say champ is because – Everybody wants to talk about success of all these guys who are in their fourth or fifth year. I'm, fifth, I'm in my 15th year. I'm 36. Some of these guys, when I was rookies, were in, were in elementary school. So I'm really not going to crown a guy that's had – he's been in the league six years. He's had three years of success and three years of failure or average. I want to see some – you know, I want to see how he is in three, four more years when, he's, when his speed goes and he has to learn how to use his technique. And that's where the – that's just me. That's where I feel like the legacy is built is when you understand and you are intellectually as smart as your talent. Steve, we've got about a minute left here, so I'm going to ask you a similar question here. Ron asked you about cornerbacks. I want to ask you about wide receivers. I'm putting together a team. I want you to give me the top three wide receivers from any era outside of yourself that you would name to this team. Number one guy, which is surprising, I would say is uh, John Taylor. He taught Jerry Rice a lot. I'm a big fan of uh, Steve Largent, obviously Jerry Rice. And then if you go in a new era right now, um, I would say the guy who can out-jump four guys at the same time, Calvin Jones. Wow. Well, Steve, we take you. Thanks for the time. <laughs> and best of luck the rest of the season. And we hope to see you in Canton, really. Appreciate it. Thank you.
We hope Thanks, to see ladies. you next season, too. Keep playing. Yeah, I hope to see you next season, too, Steve. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. That was Baltimore's Steve Smith. When we return, we'll talk about the scariest, no, the most bizarre, maybe the most mysterious events, plays, and players in the NFL. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. In case you missed it, we're brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer is running slowly, just go to MyCleanPC.com for a diagnosis. In just minutes, you can activate MyCleanComputer software to clean out what's slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. I don't like sit-down dinners. I don't go to sit-down strikes. I like standing room only, and I don't ride bikes. This Pretty Bad song is by a guy with pretty bad hemorrhoids. He needs Preparation H relief with the power of two. First, use fast-acting Preparation H medicated wipes, then longer-lasting Preparation H maximum strength cream. Let's sit together on the porch swing. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use as directed. And try specially formulated medicated wipes for women. The cheese is melty and the crust is crunchy. This combo's hot and ready for you. Just trust me. Get four slices of deep, deep dish. Plus one soda for just five bucks. Little Caesar's hot and ready lunch combo. Four slices of deep, deep dish pepperoni pizza and a 20-ounce soda. Just five bucks. Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations plus tax. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. When you cough all day, you forget what a miracle coughing is. Your cough soars out of your mouth at 50 miles an hour. Your cough is faster than a greyhound and nearly twice as fast as the fastest man on earth. So when your husband spends all night coughing, remember what an amazing world you live in. Or else, try Robitussin 12-Hour. It soothes and delivers fast, powerful cough relief for up to 12 hours. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you each week by GEICO. That's GEICO, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. So, guys, uh, Steve Smith goes as a 23-year-old for Halloween, joining uh, some of those old geezers like Charles Woodson of Oakland, Larry Fitzgerald of Arizona, dressed up as Dorian Gray. Ron, you know who Dorian Gray is? Uh, didn't he play for the uh, Seattle Seahawks? He's no relation to Sasha Gray, so I guess you don't. Now, as someone who's, let's say, experienced, and I prefer that to old, ancient, or mummified, I don't find that frightening at all. I actually find it reassuring. And I mean, Ron, we're living in an era where a 38-year-old quarterback, someone you know, not only is the best in the business, but says he wants to play for what? Ten more years. So you find that frightening, Ron? I do actually find that frightening. That's a, what a ten more years with Brady would be. But, except on Sundays, but with the rules changes limiting the amount of actual football a guy has to play, 
and the actual number of days he has to actually practice. Uh, you know, this is not that su uh, surprising. You know, in addition, of course, experience counts in such a pass-happy league. Uh, so I, I think when you factor it all in, it's really not that much of a uh, surprise to me. And if you look, most of these guys, with the exception of Woodson, but most of these guys that are extending their careers are in what portion of the game? The passing part of the game, because those guys don't have to play football anymore. So realistically, realistically Ron, how much yeah. longer do you think Brady plays? Well, I don't think he plays 10 years. But uh, no, I could see him going, you know, uh, probably uh, into his early 40s, but not here. You know, <laughs> Belichick will whack his butt at some point uh, if he tries to hang around here too long. How did you last that long? They tried to whack your butt years ago. Yes, but uh, I'm tougher than Brady. That's just <laughs> Well, I don't expect Brady to be around 10 years from now either, but I do want to take a Hall of Fame tour right now of the scariest, most mysterious, creepiest, and yes, weirdest and wackiest items. And I, I don't care what it is, guys. It can be anything from moments to players to outfits. That's right, weird and creepy, but it must be from this season. So, Goose... I'm going to start with you. Since you cover a team that employs Greg Hardy, take it away. Well, you want scary, mysterious, and wacky? I give you the entire Greg Hardy episode. Put your seatbelt on. Arrested for domestic abuse. Tried and convicted. Appealed. The one witness is paid off by the Hardy camp. The charges are dropped. Panthers let their Pro Bowl pass rusher walk. Cowboys sign him. NFL hands down a 10-game suspension. Hardy appeals. Suspension is reduced to four games. The Cowboys don't let Hardy talk to the media during training camp. And when he finally does speak in October, he wisecracks about Tom Brady's wife and guns. Then in the second game last weekend, he, was, uh, he had a physical confrontation with an assistant coach on the sideline. Is all that scary enough for you? No comment. Next question. <laughs> I'll tell you what's scary about that guy. Just look at the dude. Someone should tell him, take off the <laughs> Halloween mask. Take it easy, right. man. You're and grow right. some hair, bro. I mean, that is a scary-looking dude, you know. I mean, and, and then he's got the you know, Maori warrior tattoos all over the place. Yikes. My God. You got any of those, Goose? You got a couple uh, of those under no. your T-shirt that we don't know about? I'll bet you do. Had them surgically scrubbed. Goose doesn't <laughs> want to tarnish the star. <laughs> uh, Ronnie, how yes? about you? Well, I mean, God, it's a, it's a league of scary guys, or it's becoming a league of uh, scary guys, you know. There's something about Hardy, though. You know, the scary guys and there's, there's wacky a lot about guys. Hardy. Yeah, but I mean, the scary guys, there's a lot of scary guys. We've all seen scary. Dick Buckers is scary. Everybody, a lot of scary. But then there's a few wacky guys. You know, they got, he's got a Halloween mask on, like I said, in April. I mean, that is a guy that I think is, uh, uh, if he isn't the scariest dude in the league, a lot of these guys, Sheldon Richardson, not a scary guy, just a fat guy who's a good football player, you know? <laughs> Greg Hardy, yeah. scary dude. Yeah, but scary on and off the field. I think almost yeah. more off the field than he is on it. Um, listen, I, I'm going to go with the AFC South. I mean, you talk about frightening. There's not a team in there playing 500 football in Indianapolis. Indianapolis leads that division, guys, at three and four. They next play in order. Carolina, that's right. I'd boo them, too. Carolina, Denver, and Atlanta. And I'm no math major, but uh, look at that, and I go, those are opponents with a combined... 17 and 1 record. So, what's scary is that as bad as Houston and Jacksonville are, and they stink, they're a heartbeat out of first. But what's even scarier is that one of these teams is going to make the playoffs. Clark, the NFC East is just as scary. There isn't a good team in a bunch. The division champion 
will come between the Giants, Eagles, Redskins, and Cowboys, maybe by default. Now, like I said, Carolina won a division last year with seven wins. Seven may get it done again this year. Now, think of this. The Giants are the best team in the division. Right now, they're four and three. They rank 23rd in the NFL in offense, 29th in defense. Now, that's generally not a script for success unless you're playing in the East. Yeah, right. See, I don't find the AFC South uh, uh, scary, uh, Clark. I find them amusing. You know, they, they, <laughs> they got an outside chance, like everything else they do, an outside chance. These teams got an outside chance to become the first in football history where every head coach gets fired at the end of the season, <laughs> even the one who wins the division. Uh, you know, that's the beauty of the NFL. Now, uh, what would be even weirder is three of them get fired, and the guy who finishes last in Jacksonville – he gets a raise. He stays. You know, I mean, that, 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 that to me isn't so much, Jeff, uh, uh, nerve-wracking as it is El Stupido. Well, the way that division's going, Ron, I'm not so sure Jacksonville is going to finish last. Yeah, um, well, you may be right there. Actually. I, I want to go to the weirdest and wackiest now. I, I, I don't care. Weirdest, wackiest, you name it. And for that, I'm going to roll out your Cincinnati Bengals, guys. Yes, your Bengals. They're 6-0. and They're one of the best teams anywhere. You guys tell me that every week. Their quarterback's playing out of his mind. Offensive line's underrated. Defense is good enough. But these guys simply can't lose. So why did I say wacky? Because people are piling on the bandwagon again, including you guys, in October. And I just want to scream, wait until January, people, because it's January when the Bengals turn into pumpkins. Losing all six playoff games to Marvin, friend of the show, Marvin Lewis, all four with Andy Dalton, and not winning a playoff game, period. Since 1991. Sorry, Goose. Sorry, Ron. I'm not a believer. Hey, Clark, Clark this what? is supposed to be a Halloween segment. You keep slipping on that Christmas Grinch outfit. You know, when the Bengals <laughs> knock off the Patriots in the AFC title game, you'll become a believer. You'll become a believer. That's right. Clark, we, 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 we cannot live in the past, you know. Goose and I, forward thinkers, you, you linger in the past. You know, come on. <laughs> Anthony Munoz told us and all our listeners, what did he tell us? Believe He's a believer. in the Bengales. Yeah. Truth teller, I say. Right. Truth teller. And speaking of scary guys, I just thought of the scariest of all. A typical Halloween guy. Ray Lewis with a microphone in his hand. That's <laughs> oh, scary wow. Yeah, you're right about that. Well, I don't want to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where I want to go. Love it. The signal for someone who's neither scary nor mysterious. Our own phantom. I'm talking about Rick Goslin, a.k.a. Dr. Data, who's here to tell us how the league schedule makers screwed up again? Gentlemen, the bye week was a creation of the NFL to extend the schedule a week. That produced another weekend of games, another weekend of advertising dollars. The more income the league can generate, the healthier the product. But teams coming off a bye have an advantage over their opponents. It becomes a week off during the season for teams to catch their breath and heal up some injuries. Teams have two weeks to regenerate their minds and bodies. So it's not surprising. Coming off their buys, uh, teams win 53% of the time. The Denver Broncos have mastered the bye week. They are 20 and 6 coming off buys all time with a current five-game winning streak. The Eagles also are 26, 20 and 6 coming off buys, and the Cowboys and Vikings both 18 and 8. Teams coming off buys have fresh legs. That's an obvious advantage. Conversely, their opponents are at a disadvantage. And no one has been asked to deal with a greater disadvantage this season than the Seattle Seahawks. They've been scheduled to play four teams coming off buys this season. They've already lost to Carolina in October, 
when the Panthers were coming off a bye and still had November games on tap against rested bye teams Arizona, San Francisco, and Pittsburgh. The Washington Redskins play three teams coming off bye weeks, and five other teams play two games against teams coming off byes. Yet nine other NFL teams don't play any games against teams coming off a bye, including the Panthers. Once again, the NFL schedule maker has fumbled the ball. All anyone can ask for and or expect from the NFL is a level playing field. It's not level in Seattle. It's not level for Washington. And that's the NFL's fault. I got to say, yeah, pardon the pun, but I don't really buy into this, Doc. It, it, <laughs> nice. It, 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 nice. It, thank you very much. Uh, look, it still looks to me like the, uh, the teams that are the best do the best in these situations. Uh, and, and, of course, we all know you're an apologist to Pete Carroll. Good call in the Super Bowl, I remember you telling me. Uh, so <laughs> here's my question. Should every team be limited uh, to a certain amount of, of playing a certain amount of bye teams? In other, in other words, okay, you only have to play two teams coming off the bye or, or three teams or whatever it is. And can they do it? Sure, I'll make it fair for everyone. Start, no one gets scheduled back-to-back home games. You play every other game on the road. That way, no one will start or finish the season with two games on the road. Then space out the buys so that no team gets more than one. Play the first and last months of, the, uh, of, e- uh, of each season in the division. This is all common-sense scheduling. Even the NFL can and should be able to figure it out. Well, guys, there's nothing spooky or mysterious about what's next for us. It's our own buy called a commercial. When we return, you'll hear why Bobby Beathard deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. You know the story of Hansel and Gretel, where Hansel left breadcrumbs on the trail so they could find their way back home? That's what you do when you use public Wi-Fi, or shop online, or give out your social security number at your doctor's office or the bank. You leave breadcrumbs on the trail for someone to possibly steal your identity and take everything you own. At LifeLock... We use proprietary technology to detect signs that someone has picked up your breadcrumbs to take what's yours. And unlike free credit monitoring services that only alert you, we have a dedicated resolution staff to help clean things up if all those breadcrumbs get messy. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But with LifeLock, you can keep doing the things you do every day and feel better protected. Isn't it time to help protect yourself from someone eating your financial lunch? Plans start at $9.99 a month. Right now, you can get 10% off. Go to lifelock.com and enter promo code NEWS. The following was recorded at a Burger King drive-thru at breakfast. Morning, welcome to Burger King. Can I get a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant sandwich? Yeah, me too. I'll have a croissant So one says croissant and one says croissant Yeah. Yeah. Don't you guys know it's croissant And they're just two for $4. Okay, weirdo. Can we drive up now? Piled high with thick-cut bacon or savory sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted cheese. Get two sandwich breakfast sandwiches for just $4, only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price and participation vary. Two days ago, Jeff McDonald posted the following. Just watch the sunrise from above the clouds. So stoked. Jeff got 19 likes and 7 comments. Not bad, Jeff. Geico has a comment to add that may make you even more stoked. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance by switching to Geico. And if that doesn't put your head above the clouds, you'll have the extra money to scale a peak that will. Hashtag on cloud nine. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Now back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Hall of Fame host Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Well, as we mentioned, this is our Halloween edition of the Talk of Fame Network, which means that we're saluting the weird, 
the creepy, the mysterious, and the frightening today. So, Ron, we salute you. Oh, and something that has been weird, creepy, mysterious, and frightening are the New Orleans Saints. I mentioned them because it was on November 1st, 1966, appropriately All Saints Day, that New Orleans was awarded an NFL franchise. Now, nearly 50 years later, Goose, what do you make of the Saints? Great fan base, great town. I know I love visiting there. But the fact the Saints could be so bad for so long, effectively ruining the quarterback and career of Archie Manning, who may have had more talent than either of his sons, yet one day this team could win a Super Bowl speaks well for parity. The Saints are proof that small market teams can compete for championships in the NFL. Yeah, they're an interesting sort of mess this year because uh, if you're down in New Orleans, they're hauling at Sean Payton. He's got to call the plays differently. He's got to, you know, look, the fact of the matter is uh, their talent has dissipated to the point where uh, their offensive line stinks. This is a line that allowed Fletcher Cox, career high of five and a half sacks, to get to Drew Brees three times in a game. He shouldn't have got to do Drew Brees three times in a month in a game. He had three sacks. So, you know, they they didn't replace – Jimmy Graham adequately, which hurts Breeze, especially at the age that he's at. Now, look, Breeze isn't the same player he was five years ago, and he will not be playing until he's 48, Clark. Uh, and, and here in the nutshell is what they are. The defense is allowing 26.4 points a game. Their offense is scoring 23 a game, which means every game's a toss-up, and most of the time they lose the toss. Thank you, Dr. Data. Anyway, <laughs> happy anniversary to New Orleans Saints. Listen, I guess I could say happy birthday to them, too, like our house band does each week. There they are again. Those guys are pretty good. But I'm going to reserve that for guys actually celebrating upcoming birthdays. So, Derek, the envelope, please. On Wednesday, October 28th, it says here, one of the best safeties not in the Hall of Fame, Steve Atwater, turns 49, while one of the best running backs not in the Hall of Fame, friend of the show, Terrell Davis, he turns 43. Following day, October 29th, former Pittsburgh linebacker Andy Russell, member of the Steel Curtain, turns 74, while on Sunday, November 1st, one of Ron's favorite players, Ron, you can get down on your knees now, the mad stork, Ted Hendricks. Great linebacker, great player, great humanitarian. Eight. Yep. And one day later, November 2nd, guard Larry Little, Miami Dolphins, he turns 70. Clark, Gary Player, a golfing Hall of Famer, turns 79 on Sunday. The first golf tournament I ever covered was 1972 PGA Championship at Oakland Hills. Player won with a brilliant blind shot over the trees at 16. It was his second PGA on the way to nine majors. So obviously, he always had a soft spot for Gary Player over the years. And, and to this day, he can do more sit-ups and push-ups than any of us. Yeah, That's you're right about that. Uh, well, here's my choice because I want to stick with a scary football theme that Clark has come up with this week. Uh, so in uh, 66 years ago, on uh, Thursday, the ultimate two-way player was born, Caitlyn Jenner. Don't call me Bruce. <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner. Happy birthday to her, him. <laughs> wow. Well, congratulations to everyone, especially you, Caitlyn. You're going to be hearing from Ron shortly with offers. Ron, what is it, 2016 Boston Red Sox season tickets? Yeah, that's right. If you help him shovel out his driveway this winter. Uh, Ron, uh, no offense, but uh, I'm not interested. Anyway, I am interested and pushing former general manager Bobby Bethard for the Hall of Fame. I covered Bobby for years in San Diego, and there are a few personnel people I respect more, even though, even though we had our differences. But I knew Bobby going back to Washington. We moved out to San Diego, covered him. And he's one of the easiest sells, honestly, I've ever had on this program. 
He was part of seven Super Bowl teams, including four winners, and rebuilt the Washington Redskins and San Diego Chargers, as you know. And yeah, okay, yeah, he drafted Ryan Leaf. So what? I mean, everyone makes mistakes, and I hear that over and over, but everyone makes mistakes. And, and granted, yeah, that's a big one. But as one GM told me, there's not a general manager alive who hasn't committed a multitude of errors. And if you haven't done that, you're not trying. Bobby had the Redskins in three Super Bowls in seven years. And the 1991 team that won after he left, Charlie Castle was the GM then. Yeah, it was composed of players that Bobby drafted. And incidentally, the Redskins haven't been back to the Super Bowl since. So Bobby goes out to San Diego, where he puts the Chargers on the map in 1994 in the Super Bowl. They haven't been back either. Sports Illustrated, if you guys remember, in the 1980s, I think it was Dr. Z wrote the story. He called Bobby the smartest man in the NFL. And I once asked a Super Bowl-winning GM and a Super Bowl-winning owner if that description was accurate. And they both nodded and said, yeah, as a matter of fact, it was. And the GM told me he was the best in the business. And I think he was. So why is he not in the Hall of Fame? Well, take it easy. As Aaron Rodgers told Peter King last week, R-E-L-A-X. Relax, because he will be. I'm sure of that. He missed the cut last year when the first-year contributor committee, of which Goose and I are part of, passed on him for Ron Wolf and Bill Polian. And he missed this year when that same committee decided not to go in a GM direction again and chose Eddie DeBartolo. But I have no doubt, no doubt, he will be one of the two candidates next year for a very good reason. Because, as a smart man once said, he was the best in the business, period. So, Clark, how would you divide up the credit in Washington between Joe Gibbs and Bobby Beathard? 60-40 Gibbs, 50-50, 60-40 Beathard, how? Goose, I would say 50-50. I mean, I was around that team some. I lived in San Diego, but I went back there often to cover their games and also to see Bobby. Knew him very well then. Um, it was a great relationship. I mean, Joe coached. Bobby got him the players, but Bobby had the final word on roster makeup. And now he and Joe would go over the players, but... I know what happened there because I was with Bobby once when he had a difficult decision to make, and it was one that Joe didn't like, but Bobby made it anyway. And I never forgot what he said at that time. You'd rather get rid of someone a year too soon rather than a year too late. Bet you haven't heard that before, have you, Ron? Wow, how'd you come up with that? How'd he come up yeah. with that? What a, uh, that just proves that what I was going to say next, which is that we all have to remember that being the smartest man in the NFL is not exactly like being the smartest man at the University of Chicago, but uh, so it goes. Uh, but more to the point. How sure are we that these guys, these personnel guys, were running into the Hall of Fame are really the guiding light of these uh, franchises? Isn't that a, a long-term danger uh, in these situations? Who's really doing the building? Well, that's, that's a good question, but to me it's easy here. You look at it. He was with four teams. All those four teams went to Super Bowls. He rebuilt the Redskins. He built, rebuilt the Chargers. I think his body of work speaks for itself. I, I, I think Bobby's an easy sell. Well, that is a signal. We're nearly out of time. So let's go to the two-minute drill where our Ron Borges is going to ask this week's questions. And our producer, Derek Burns, is going to unleash ghosts and goblins for anyone who's long-winded. Say, Ron, let's get started. The NFL wants to return to Mexico for a game uh, next year. How will they get over Donald Trump's fence? Have Rick Pitino throw a party for the Border Patrol. <laughs> yeah, vote in another Democrat. New England player rep Matthew Slater says the NFL claiming it's concerned with uh, player safety flies in the face of Thursday night football. Is he right? Of course he is. But Thursday night football sells. End of argument. Slater can throw a Monday night log onto that fire as well. <laughs> After beating the Chargers on Sunday, are the Raiders back from the dead? Yeah, sure, Ron. They're 3-3. Three and three, So they're off life support. 
Pencil the Raiders in as a potential wild card this season and a Super Bowl contender inside of three years. They have the quarterback wow. and the coach. Oh, ho! Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. The 1 to 6 Lions fired offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi Monday. Didn't they name a trophy after that guy? Yeah, they did. It's called the Joe Must Go Award. Trophy. Oscar? Emmy? Tony? What? The Lions also fired two offensive, two count them, offensive line coaches after Matt Stafford was sacked seven times and hit 13 times by the Vikings. Was it them or their employees to blame? Well, coaches, because coaches always have and will continue to be lousy blockers. Most important guy in the building is in the Saracap era is the guy who finds the players. Look in the mirror, Martin. May you look in the mirror. <laughs> Atlanta is 6-1. and one. Are they also for real? Uh, we're not going to know until December 13th. Or when they go to Carolina. Not where you can only beat a bad Tennessee team playing its backup quarterback by a single point. What do you like this weekend, Aaron Rodgers or the Broncos defense? Game's in Denver, right? Aaron Rodgers. Broncos defense <laughs> in the altitude. What should the Jets take from their seven-point loss to the Patriots? Confidence or acceptance of their fate? Well, um, acceptance of fate. Confidence. It took Tom Brady 50 passes to beat him this time. Next time, it may take 60. E.J. Manuel is the first NFL quarterback to lose in three different countries. Is that a record that will never be broken? Well, it is until Jacksonville plays in Mexico City. Not so fast, Ron. That mark is still within reach of the Amish rifle with his losses <laughs> in Canada and the U.S. That would be not, the Amish rifle to yeah, you, Ron. <laughs> not the Amish, Amish, Amish rifle. I just saw him. Uh, Quarterbacks Tom Brady and Ryan Fitzpatrick, speaking of the Amish rifle, led their teams in rushing Sunday. Is the running back dead? Ask any football fan who has Todd Gurley. In case you weren't paying attention, Ron, there were more 100-yard rushers last week than 100-yard receivers. <laughs> the 49ers are saying something big is coming. Will Colin Kaepernick be there when that happens? Yeah, he will. That's something big? It's called the Seattle Pass Rush. It's a, if that's something big as a Super Bowl at their stadium in February, then no... Colin Kaepernick will not be there. Well, that's the end of our first hour, but stay where you are. When we return, we'll talk DraftKings, Andrea Kramer, the Hall of Fame, and shame, and hear what's going on with the Atlanta Falcons. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, Tom Bodette. These days, the Internet is full of quizzes to find out what kind of fruit you are or what movie character you're most like or what state you belong in. Well, take it from this tangerine space cop who apparently belongs in Alaska. You won't find any quizzes at motel6.com. Just lots of clean, comfortable rooms for the lowest price of any national chain. Now, let's see. Am I more like a mild Swiss or a smoked Gouda? Well, I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. When you cough all day, you forget what a miracle coughing is. Your cough soars out of your mouth at 50 miles an hour. Your cough is faster than a greyhound and nearly twice as fast as the fastest man on earth. So when your husband spends all night coughing, remember what an amazing world you live in. Or else, try Robitussin 12-Hour. It soothes and delivers fast, powerful cough relief for up to 12 hours. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Welcome back to hour number two of the Talk of Fame Network. I'm Clark, along with Rick and Ron. And we'll be joined soon in this hour by TV correspondent and reporter extraordinaire Andrea Kramer, part of our Women in the NFL series, as well as 
Hall of Fame voter D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and ghosts and goblins of all shapes, sizes, and skill positions. But before we get there, guys, in the interest of Halloween, I want to haul out a subject I know Ron believes is spooky, a little creepy, and certainly mysterious. That'll be you. That's daily fantasy football. <laughs> you can't watch an NFL telecast these days without seeing some ad for DraftKings or FanDuel. Their involvement with the league is uh, probably as interesting as... Well, as interesting as you can yank me, it's a subject that not only has our attention, but the attention of the United States Congress. And as you may or may not know, there are two NFL owners and teams who it just so happens hold stakes in DraftKings. And that would be Goose's Jerry Jones and the Kraft family of Ron's New England Patriots. The two most valuable franchises in the NFL, by the way. And the two most valuable reporters in the NFL are right here. You like that segue, Ron? Nicely done. You are smooth. Yeah, but but instead I've got you and Rick. Um, So, Rick, I'll just start with you. Ron thinks this is Hall of Fame frightening, maybe in terms of what it means for the integrity of the game. But Jerry, Jerry Jones says, "Uh uh-uh, has no bearing. What do you say? Integrity of the game? (laughs) Did you read the Walls report? (laughs) Hey, gambling is gambling. And fantasy football is gambling. It isn't betting on games, but it's betting on players. When you start talking $2 million payoffs to the winners, well, this ain't Keno down at your local sports pub. You know, I, I would hope the NFL would now rescind the suspensions of Paul Horning and Alex Harris in the 1960s <laughs> for their involvement there you with go. cameras. And also send them an apology. The NFL has spent decades closing its eyes to point spreads, but when it comes time to betting on players, they now openly embrace the concept. How hypocritical. There you go, Goose. I like it. I like the passion. I like the emotion. Ronnie? How would you characterize Me and the daily Hardy, fantasy? Passionate guys. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> How would you characterize the daily fantasy football? There really seems to be as much of part of today's game as well. Maybe penalty flags. Uh, and I'm not talking about some family or office pool. I'm talking about organized fantasy football. Where really, I mean, thousands or like that former DraftKings employee. I guess the current DraftKings employee. Three hundred fifty thousand dollars can be made. Well, you're right. I mean, when fantasy was excluded from the Internet gambling laws in 2006, uh, no one who wrote that law ever foresaw that this thing would explode uh, into becoming a daily and weekly event with millions of dollars at risk. It's, it's millions of bucks every every weekend rather than this sort of season-long exercise of silliness with you know men in their man caves uh, you know, in their underwear doing this thing on the computer. Careful, uh, careful. <laughs> whoops. But to argue that this thing is a game of skill, after watching someone lose their fantasy quarterback and then their mind in the first quarter of a game is absurd. To argue it's not gambling uh, is, how, is exactly how they went to build the casinos in Vegas. Gambling? There's no gambling going on here. Look, uh, you tell me the time uh, when high-stakes gambling and human beings were mixed together without a scandal resulting. I'll tell you when that time was. The 12th of never. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you guys know, I mean, football players can play. But they can't accept winnings over $250. So, Goose, ah. who's regulating those earnings? I mean, and what happens when someone does exceed $250 and maybe doesn't report it? Clark, I have no idea. And right now, I venture to guess the NFL has no idea either. You know, they jumped right into the deep end of the pool without ever testing the shallow end first. But that's where the big bag of money was from those gambling sites. So that's where the NFL jumped in. As the money grows, the problems of monitoring all this growth uh, will grow for the NFL. And believe me, the money will grow. So will the temptation to fix a result. What if a player is offered more than his paycheck not to catch any passes on a given day? 
the deeper the NFL gets in this, the murkier the water will become. Moose is, is completely correct. Look, nobody's regulating this thing, just like nobody's running the NFL anymore, it doesn't seem. Uh, <laughs> and no one knows what anybody's making. But uh, uh, one of these days, I, can, I know one thing. An appeals court judge is going to be involved in something. You know, you know <laughs> Congress is demanding a list of every league employee who gambled on these things, what they gambled, how much they gambled, and what they earned. So what do they do if they find some big star? Who's gambling, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, or some guy who made a half a million bucks, who, you know, also was the guy who does the scheduling. I mean, this is just a powder keg waiting to explode. Well, answer your own question, Ron. What would they do if they found that out? Go uh, call Ted Wells and then go run screaming into the night. I mean, you know, the, <laughs> it, it would be a mess. This is why Burt Bell did everything he could to keep the NFL away from gambling. Uh, but then Roger Goodell came along and made a promise to get the revenues up to twenty-five billion. And how do you do it? By getting your Sticky little fingers dirty. That's Yeah, all. I couldn't agree with you guys more. Hey, uh, Goose, one question for you. I'm just wondering, uh, should I play Darren McFadden or Joseph Randall this weekend? <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't know either. No Suspect comment, next McFadden question. since he's going to start. But I do know we've got to take a break. When we return, we're going to hear from Andrea Kramer. It's the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, Tom Bodette trying out this paleolithic diet. You know, the one where you eat the stuff cavemen used to eat? Well, right now I just want to hunt and gather a pizza. For you, on the other hand, I recommend a steady diet of Motel 6, where you can get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Sure beats this cave, not to mention the loincloth, which is draftier than I anticipated. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's Wix.com. You know the story of Hansel and Gretel, where Hansel left breadcrumbs on the trail so they could find their way back home? That's what you do when you use public Wi-Fi, or shop online, or give out your social security number at your doctor's office or the bank. You leave breadcrumbs on the trail for someone to possibly steal your identity and take everything you own. At LifeLock, we use proprietary technology to detect signs that someone has picked up your breadcrumbs to take what's yours. And unlike free credit monitoring services that only alert you, we have a dedicated resolution staff to help clean things up if all those breadcrumbs get messy. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But with LifeLock, you can keep doing the things you do every day and feel better protected. Isn't it time to help protect yourself from someone eating your financial lunch? Plans start at $9.99 a month. Right now, you can get 10% off. Go to LifeLock.com and enter promo code NEWS. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Our next guest is someone who is as familiar to you as she is to us. Andrea Kramer has been covering the NFL for years and is now the chief correspondent for the NFL Network, as well as correspondent for HBO's Real Sports with Brian Gumbel. She's covered more than 20 Super Bowls, was the first female producer for NFL films, was the first female correspondent for ESPN, and is now part of CBS's We Need to Talk 
the first all-female nationally televised weekly sports show. Andrea's won two Emmys, has been named the best TV interviewer in the business of covering the NFL by the LA Times, and has been listed as one of the 10 greatest female sportscasters of all time. And today, well, today, she's ours, at least for the next 10 minutes she is. Andrea, thanks for joining us. Wow, that's quite an introduction. Thank God a moment, the three of you, who are like the Mount Rushmore of, of NFL writers. So I feel like uh, it's, all, it's all, coming, all, all coming together here, guys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> well, hopefully we have more life than Mount Rushmore, Andrea. Listen, I'm going to start with the softball question here. Softball question. How does someone... You, Clark? You? Yeah, really? Yeah, softball? that's right. I'm lobbing yeah, it up to you. obviously. There you go. I, I'm lobbing it to you. How does someone who graduated cum laude at the University of Pennsylvania with a triple minor in English, sociology, and anthropology, and who once performed with the Philadelphia Civic Ballet Company, wind up covering the National Football League. You know, it was actually really funny because when I would sit in rehearsals for, for ballet, I'd have my headphones on listening to the Eagles game when, oh. as, as, a, as a little kid. You know what? That's God's honest truth. You know, I've loved football since I was about eight years old, and... Um, I was very lucky that I had parents that thought it was okay for little Andy, cute little Andy, to like football, because back then it wasn't exactly the norm. As I always like to say, some little girls had Barbie, I had Larry Zonka, but you know, I've loved football my whole life, and, but growing up, truthfully, you know, maybe unlike you guys, I never thought that I could write about it or talk about it or, or commentate about it, so it just was never something that I thought that I could do. You know, even in college, I mean, my triple minor may sound impressive, but what it really meant is that I learned to read, write, and research, which certainly has served me well. Uh, but I've, I've loved sports my whole life, and um, I've always said that there's two genre of women that cover sports. There's the women who grew up loving sports, and oh, by the way, I get to talk about it or, or write about it. And then there's women who want to be on television or whatever it is. Oh, sports sounds cool. And clearly, I am of the first group because... I feel very lucky that here was the passion that I had when I was growing up, and I got to make a career out of it and, and, and lucky to continue to be able to do so. Andrew, we had uh, Amy Trask on here a few weeks back. She, of course, had a long and illustrious career with the Raiders. Uh, we asked her if she considered herself a pioneer. So we'll ask you the same question. Do you see yourself as a pioneer? Well, I, I guess, Rick, it just means that I've been around a long time. <laughs> so, so join the crowd. The first yeah, join the crowd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, the longevity is something that we should all, believe me, we should all be very proud of. I guess, though, Rick, in just in the sense that I was, as you know, Clark mentioned in my, in my intro, you know, I was the first to do various things in my career, and I'm proud of that. But I'll, I'll never forget, and you guys will appreciate this, I don't want to date myself here now, but, you know, it was 1982. It was the first time I was, I was covering sports, and it was after the season had just, the regular season had just ended, and Mike Quick. The great wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles was going to the Pro Bowl. So I got permission, which I needed, to go into the locker room because women were not allowed in the locker room on non-game days. So I got special dispensation from the Eagles to go in, and I'm sitting there with my little recorder because I was in print at the time, sitting sort of in adjacent lockers with my quick, and we're just talking about football. We're just talking, and, I, and all of a sudden he looks at me and goes, well, you don't really know what you're talking about. And I kind of laugh and I go, yeah, well, what else am I doing here, do you think? And, you know, I never, I just kept the blinders on. I never thought, wow, I have to prove myself or anything like that. And, um, and I think it's, it's served me well all these years just to kind of to, to keep the focus on, on what I'm doing and not get intimidated by people who, uh, who, you know, for whom I was in the minority. Obviously, as Clark pointed out with that intro, you know, you've had uh, a number of 
a long list, actually, of notable achievements. Between the three of us, we have one achievement. We know each other. That's about it. <laughs> but you have a lot of uh, notable achievements. Uh, and I'm just, what's the one you value the most when you, when you think about uh, your career? Well, ironically, it's, you know, for all of the, as Clark pointed out, you know, 20-some Super Bowls and, and the stories that I bring, for all, for all of the, as much as I love football, I have to admit, guys, that, that, that what I'm really proud of is that um, in about an eight-month stretch, I got to cover my first Olympics, which was Beijing, and it was Michael Phelps achieving something I think we'll never see, one individual winning eight gold medals in a single game. So I went from Michael Phelps, historic run, to what some believe is the greatest Super Bowl of all time, which was the Cardinals and Steelers, you know, the little, uh, you know, toe-tap <laughs> catch, and, you know, to win the game. Right. Sure. And, um, I, and, and, of course, the James Harrison run back. So that was a pretty special period of time. But um, I also like to say that I've been lucky enough to, to cover the two greatest Michaels in all the sports, the aforementioned Mr. Phelps, and, of course, you know, Michael Jordan. I did all six of his championships. Uh, with the Bulls. So, I mean, I, I am glad that I have gotten to expand beyond football, but there's no question that football is my love. And, uh, you know, to be able to have, have I mean, I, I, I hate to think about this, but it is true. I've probably done more television stories on the NFL than any other any other human alive, which is a little frightening, but that's what happens when you cover the league for 30-some years. Um, but I'm proud of that. I'm proud of, you know, the stories I've broken, the interviews I've done, and the first that I've that, you know, the, the, the first, you know, exclusive stories that I've been able to get and getting people to talk and really show themselves, you know, on and off the field. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. We're talking with sports reporter extraordinaire Andrea Kramer. And Andrea, as you mentioned, you've covered a zillion sports and an awful lot of events, including the Olympics. So my question is, what was the most memorable of all those events and why? Uh, well, it probably, it probably has to be the... Um, the Beijing Olympics, only because, you know, as, as someone who loves sports, you know, anytime you can you can be a part of history, and it's interesting, and, and you'll probably be able to relate to this. I remember waking up the morning of the final day of, of swimming at, in Beijing, and, you know, you realize that this could be it. He could, himself could achieve something that no one's ever done, eight gold medals. And you know, we're always primed, just like the athlete. It's like asking the athlete at the end of his career, you know, do you have any perspective? What do you want people to remember? What's your legacy? And they really can't do it until they're out of the game. So that's just how we're all wired. But I remember thinking, wow, you know, I'm going to be on the cusp of history. You know, he's going to get out of the pool and he's going to walk about 10 steps and talk to me. And it was an amazing feeling to, to watch history unfold. That was pretty special because, as mentioned, I just don't think we're ever going to see anything like that again. So, uh, so that was that was pretty special, I think. And you've covered, like Clark said, a zillion uh, events and athletes. Who was the best interview? Who was the worst interview? Todd Christensen, the yes. late, and it's so yep. sorry, it's so scary to say the late Todd Christensen. But boy, they don't make them like that anymore. You know, they don't make the players who are just irreverent and they don't care what they have to say. I, I will tell you something. I, I'm gonna, I will tell you guys this, and again, you're all going to relate to this. When Bounty Gate broke, and there was, obviously, we know what happened and how controversial it was and things of that nature. I remember a story that I did for ESPN for the Super Bowl, which we aptly named, this is 1997, Smash for Cash. 
And basically, what it was, was a story about how players, here this is a shock, players make wagers on various things, the number of hits, the number of sacks, the number of tackles, whatever it is, and they have a pot, and they put the money in the pot. And so I had all these people talking on camera about it in a very, very open way, telling stories. One player's telling a story about how it was their worst tackling game ever because they didn't wrap up that game because they were so thinking about getting the money of that pot. And the bottom line is this. You watch this story that was filmed in 1997 with how open these players were and how completely, completely not thinking about, you know, the quote-unquote health and safety issues. And then you look at that story in the prism of what we've had the past couple of years, and you wouldn't even believe it's the same league. Not only would you never have players that open and that, you know, real about what went on, but it would be so politically incorrect and as it turns out, by the way, here's what's really interesting. The NFL Players Association ended up getting a copy of that story, and it was part of their, it was part of their presentation, just, just showing this is nothing new, the idea of wagering on, on certain things in a game, uh, that they, they held up my story as an example. This is back from 1997. So talk about you know, how times have changed, especially in terms of how the athletes themselves have gone from being so forthright and open and telling stories and telling you what was really going on to now where, you know, as we, as we well know, a lot of players just resort to, you know, social media to get their own message out that they, that a lot of people don't even really want to talk to the media much to our dismay. I'm sure. I know how true that is. Uh, Andrea, I went from the Raiders in the seventies and eighties to the Patriots in 2010. That's not to make you jump <laughs> off a bridge, but uh, uh, just, just wondering what was the most difficult question you ever had to ask uh, a player and did, was it hard for you to do? Uh, are we talking just in football? Or are we talking any sport? Uh, any any sport's sport. fine, but well, any sport's got to be talking to Michael Jordan about his gambling issues, and um, that was one of the things I was really that I was really proud of in my career was um, I did the first interview with Michael Jordan when he came back to the NBA the first time, and um, it was written actually, um, believe it or not, by somebody that that I know Clark knows well, Chuck Nevius, in the San Francisco Chronicle. It was written. You know, um, Diane Sawyer, Ed Bradley, Dan Rather, they all tried to get Michael Jordan's first interview, but who got it? It was Andrea Kramer. And why? Because she's known him all these years. He knows what he's getting with her. She shoots straight with him, and she's built up the relationships with him. And I was very proud of that. And one of the things we did talk about is we talked about gambling. We talked about his father's death. You know, and, and when you're talking about Michael Jordan, that's a dicey situation. But listen, guys, I've always believed that you can ask somebody anything if you ask it respectfully and if you ask it fairly. If, look, if you have an antagonistic tone in your voice, why would anybody want to answer anything? But I think if you just, if you lay out the facts and you ask it in a non-judgmental way that you can ask anything. So that was certainly something that resonated for me. Uh, you know, not the easiest subject matter, but something that certainly I, I, I did address because, you know, look, I, I just think that especially today, we have to be able to ask anything. I always say, I ask, you don't have to answer, but I think that you have to sit there and go, what, what do people really want to know? And those are the questions that you ask. Andrea, unfortunately, we got to go, but I want to tell you, thank you, one, for the time, and two, best of luck with the rest of the season. And we're going to see you out in Santa Clara in February, right? You will indeed, and guys, it truly is a pleasure. I mean, look, we've, we've gone back many decades and, you know, relationships over the years, and I really, really appreciate your thinking about me to have me on, and I think just the whole concept of the network is, is terrific. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's definitely not forget about the, 
about Hall of Fame talk. I love it. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> Thank you, Andrea. Andrea. Thanks, Thank Andrew. you. Appreciate it. That was Andrea Kramer, and this is the Talk of Fame Network. We'll take a break, but when we return, we have some very interesting guests coming to our door. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. When you cough all day, you forget what a miracle coughing is. Your cough soars out of your mouth at 50 miles an hour. Your cough is faster than a greyhound and nearly twice as fast as the fastest man on earth. So when your husband spends all night coughing, remember what an amazing world you live in. Or else, try Robitussin 12-Hour. It soothes and delivers fast, powerful cough relief for up to 12 hours. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. The 2015 Cupera features plush leather seating that will feel to your hemorrhoids like sitting on lava-hot knitting needles. Not if you step up to relief with the power of two from Preparation H. First, use Preparation H medicated wipes to soothe as they clean. Then, Preparation H maximum strength cream to relieve pain and burning. Now, sink into that rich upholstery. Mmm, luxurious. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use as directed. And try specially formulated medicated wipes for women. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you each week by GEICO. That's GEICO, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. Guys, that was good talking to Andrea Kramer and hearing her stories, uh, some of which could make it to our Talk of Fame Fright site, but probably won't. Andrea has a son, so I know someone in that house is going to be trick-or-treating this week, just as we are about to right now. So here's how it goes, Rick and Ron. I'm going to tell you who's at the door, and you tell me what you'd like to give them. It can be a trick of your own choice or a treat. You got that? Trick or treat. Okay, Derek, you ready? Guys, you ready? Let's get started. First up. I see someone come to the door here. He doesn't have a uniform of any kind on. Wait a minute. I think I recognize him. Wait, he's the guy I saw sleeping in traffic the other day. It's Ryan Mallet. Clark, I got a big bowl of chocolate candy bars in my front door with all your favorites. Snickers, Butterfingers, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I've also got a bowl of apples. The kids all want the candy, but I don't give them a choice. I decide. And Ryan Mallet, he gets an apple. A sour one, because that's what he's become in Houston. <laughs> He pouts because he lost his starting job in training camp for Spartan. And when he finally gets his chance to start in the regular season, he again comes up short and again benched. He pouts again. He misses meetings, misses plane flights. He, I keep going back to the adage, playing in the NFL is a privilege, not a right. 
In my eyes, he's lost that privilege with his attitude. So take your apple and get off my porch. <laughs> Ouch! Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm in the gifts, you know? I'm in the gifts, even on Halloween. So I'm going to give him two things. An alarm clock and the number of Uber. Get your butt to the airport. <laughs> That's you could give a plane ticket, too. Maybe it was Southwest <laughs> Airlines tickets. Okay, well, hey, Ryan, thanks very much. See you later. Uh, oh, wait a minute, guys. Look, here comes another trick-or-treater. Uh, looks like there's some heated arguments going on. That what? Oh, wait. It's, it's Colin Kaepernick. I'd give him a candy bar because he's exactly what everyone expected him to be, a great runner who might make a play or two with his arm. Much like Russell Wilson, he arrived on a team that with a great running game and a great defense in place. That allowed him to quarterback the Niners to a Super Bowl in his rookie season. But it was the 49ers that overreacted to the team's success and wanted to give him all the credit and all the money. He's not a great passer. I doubt he ever will be. But the Niners misread the situation and gave him a $126 million contract. So they get the apple. They also got the trick when it comes to him. Uh, well, I'm going to give him, uh, forget the candy, forget the apples, forget even the apple core. I'm going to give him some earphones because he won't be getting any free ones much longer if he keeps playing the way he's playing. <laughs> Dr. Dre takes one look at him and goes, Dr. No. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, wait a minute. There are a lot, I see a lot of people at the door right now, but, you know, they're not talking to each other. I've never... <laughs> There's some sort of communication problem. Okay, okay, all right. But it looks like, yeah, it is. It's the Legion of Boom. In September, the Legion came dressed like clowns. Without Camp Chancellor, there was no candy for any of them. But he's back, and the secondary is starting to come around. There's been only one shutout in the NFL this season, and the Seahawks have it. There have been only three three-point games by defense in the NFL this season. Seahawks have one of them. This is still an elite defense, and with Chancellor back, they're again starting to play like it. If they come to my front door in September, they get apples. Now, I'm willing to pass out a few candy bars. <laughs> they come to my front door, Goose, because I disagree. They come to my front door. There's still way too much talking, so they get some sour grapes. That's what it's all about <laughs> with these stiffs. You know, they let Cam Newton come down and go six for six, boop, 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 against six different receivers to beat them. Legion of Boom? No, no. Legion of Doom. Yeah, I see you guys. Uh, thanks a lot. You know, you'd think they'd at least say thank you. You guys don't even talk to each other. Uh, okay. Um, Ron, how are we doing for the uh, candy, for the treats? What, what, we okay? We're good. We're all good. Okay. Okay, because look. Butterfingers so, so, for you, because you dropped well, everything you touched. There's someone else at the door. Guy looks a little old to be trick-or-treating, but you know what? He looks like he's also in a hurry. Oh. We're an all okay, okay, but we're an all-inclusive group that won't deny anyone candy. So, I guess we give them to him, even if he's off to the next college. So, what are you gonna give Chip Kelly? He gets an apple. Chipper wanted to prove he could do it his way. So, in two years, he has shed all the Pro Bowl players he inherited from Andy Reid: Deshaun Jackson, Lashawn McCoy, Nick Foles, Evan Mathis, Todd Harriman, Trent Cole. And at three and four this season. He has a contender on life support. Maybe Andy Reid wasn't so bad after all. I'm going to mail a candy bar to Reid and give Kelly his apple. I'm going to give him a, a treat. And what kind of a treat was, does uh, Chip Kelly want? A chance to return to a place where the games are not won on game day. they won on National Recruiting Day. <laughs> That's right. Give him a plane ticket to L.A., right? Yeah. USC. Um, okay. See you, Chip. Hey, here's a guy I recognize. He looks a little bit younger than Chip. And he's carrying a pizza under his arm. Wait a minute. 
It's the Papa John's delivery guy, Peyton Manning. I'll give him a candy bar for his long-standing contribution in the game, but also throw an apple in his bag as he turns around. It's time to go. I hope we realize that at the end of the season. I'd hate to see him finish like Namath and Unitas. He, de- he deserves a better legacy than that for all he's done for the game. When I see this guy standing at the door, I look at him and I say, this guy looks familiar, but he's wearing a new mask. But he's still <laughs> a treat to watch. Can he win a quarterback without an arm? That's a good, that's a good uh, costume to wear, don't you think, on Halloween, guys? Only one arm and not the one you throw with? He deserves a big treat. Give him a Lombardi trophy. <laughs> well, it looks like we're not finished, guys, because there are a couple more at the door here. And and this guy is telling somebody not to tarnish the star, except, wait, Goose? Isn't that Greg Hardy with him? Wait, it is. And this looks like, yes, it is. Jerry Jones, friend of the show. Goose, you got something for him? I'm going to give Jerry a couple candy bars because he's the one NFL owner who gets it. He doesn't care what you write about his, cow- his Cowboys just as long as you spell Cowboys correctly in the headline. He views any publicity as good publicity. He's available and he's quotable. What more can a writer ask? I may even dump the whole bag of chocolates into his trick-or-treat bag. Goose, why don't you give him a DraftKings tip for this weekend? <laughs> I look at Jerry and I see a guy who's looking a little peaked, guys. He got that tired mask on. So I want to give him something hail, uh, like my mom's kale soup, but nothing hearty. He's already got way too much hearty. Well, I know what to give our next guest, and that is time for his Borges or... Bogus. Yep. It's Ron Borges with more on his favorite subject, Berman versus Goodell. And I'm not talking about Chris Berman. Free Brady! This is like a bad fungus. This thing just won't go away, you know? Uh, The NFL is at it again, getting after Tom Brady the way the Jets tried to last Sunday with a high-priced all-out blitz. Whether they have any more luck than the Jets will be up to one of the country's most expensive lawyers and a three-judge federal appeals court that should have better things to do with his time than worry about who flattened a football, if anyone really did. Monday, the NFL filed uh, its appeal, a federal judge Richard Berman's ruling that overturned Brady's four-game suspension in the Deflategate case. Berman ruled the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, exceeded his bounds of, uh, of uh, CBA-granted authority and violated Brady's collectively bargained rights. Monday, Paul Clement, who was argued or Clement, rather, who has argued more cases in front of the Supreme Court than any attorney in America, up the ante. He's working for the NFL now, and he insists what, that Berman had vastly exceeded. Vastly, not just exceeded, vastly exceeded. Vastly. Vastly, which is like a wide span. The narrow bounds of his judicial review authority, according to him. League argues that Brady caught a break because of his celebrity status, arguing if he was working in the machine shop at a Ford plant in Dearborn like Goose almost did. <laughs> Berman would have upheld <laughs> <laughs> Goodell's collectively bargain rights to put the wood to him. That may be true, but it's also bogus. Because if this wasn't about celebrity, Brady would have gotten a slap on the wristband and not a four-game suspension. This has not been about how the air escaped from 11 footballs sometime uh, before or during last year's AFC Championship game. The NFL's appeal is about anything but, yet it contends there is significant evidence, quote-unquote, spooky world. Uh, linking Brady to the deflation scheme aimed at gaining a competitive advantage and executed by his minions to avoid detection. Vastly. Vastly. It left out the word circumstantial before evidence, which was... Bogus. Clement's appeal cites the integrity of the game being shaken to its very core, men, comparing Ah. the escaping air from those balls to the Black Sox scandal when they attempted to fix the World Series. It shook the public's faith in baseball. We can't have that in football. No. No, absolutely not. But if the NFL was worried about that, 
Why are they all those DraftKings ads all over the place while the federal <laughs> government's investigated for violating gambling laws? What's shaking my faith in the NFL is that this thing has droned on for 10 months and tied up the time of at least four federal judges and several of the country's highest paid lawyers. In the end, either Roger Goodell handed down his own brand of industrial justice, as Berman claims, or Berman handed down his own brand of activist judicial review, as Clement claims. Whatever the ruling, please spare us the possibility that Paul Clement adds to his Supreme Court appearance record to argue about an air leak in a football. That would be truly bogus. Ron, why doesn't the NFL just strike the PSI rule from the books, let them play with peewee footballs, Nerf balls, whatever they want? It'd be, it'd be easier for the teams to run the ball to hold on to anyway. I, you know, I don't disagree with it, to tell you the truth, Goose. You know, they could make this game a lot simpler for the official, and that's one way to do it. Use any ball you want. And the other one is a loose ball, fumble recovery, whoever's got it at the end, which is if it's a Nerf ball, be easy for the big guys. Sorry, guys, but we're going to have to take the air out of this segment. Up next, D. Orlando Ledbetter and why we should believe in the Atlanta Falcons. Let's talk of Fame Network. I don't like sit-down dinners. I don't go to sit-down strikes. I like standing room only. And I don't ride bikes. This pretty bad song is by a guy with pretty bad hemorrhoids. He needs Preparation H relief with the power of two. First, use fast-acting Preparation H medicated wipes. Then, longer-lasting Preparation H maximum strength cream. Let's sit together on the porch swing. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use as directed. And try specially formulated medicated wipes for women the cheese is melty and the crust is crunchy this combo's hot and ready for you just trust me get four slices of deep deep dish plus one soda for just five bucks little caesar's hot and ready lunch combo four slices of deep deep dish pepperoni pizza and a 20 ounce soda just five bucks little caesar's pizza pizza at participating locations plus tax You know the story of Hansel and Gretel, where Hansel left breadcrumbs on the trail so they could find their way back home? That's what you do when you use public Wi-Fi, or shop online, or give out your social security number at your doctor's office or the bank. You leave breadcrumbs on the trail for someone to possibly steal your identity and take everything you own. At LifeLock, we use proprietary technology to detect signs that someone has picked up your breadcrumbs to take what's yours. And unlike free credit monitoring services that only alert you, we have a dedicated resolution staff to help clean things up if all those breadcrumbs get messy. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But with LifeLock, you can keep doing the things you do every day and feel better protected. Isn't it time to help protect yourself from someone eating your financial lunch? Plans start at $9.99 a month. Right now, you can get 10% off. Go to lifelock.com and enter promo code NEWS. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Well, we like to save the best for last, and that's because we often reserve this segment for Hall of Fame voters. Today is no different. On the line, we have D. Orlando Ledbetter, former head of the Pro Football Writers, a Hall of Fame voter, and, of course, a renowned reporter who knows everything and sees everything for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. D., you're on with Clark, Rick, and Ron. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Our pleasure. Thanks for joining us, D. First question. 
I want to know about your Atlanta Falcons. I said, you know everything and you see everything. So tell me, they're six and one, and they're one of the surprises of this season. Should I be buying or a selling playoff stock in these guys? I think you want to buy the stock in these guys. They've uh, been playing with house money, winning with, uh, you know, dazzling comebacks, even uh, sometimes playing well and sometimes not playing so well. But when it's time to finish out the game, the new coach has them believing that they can finish out games, and they've been able to do that in uh, four of the uh, six wins this season. They uh, have a couple fourth-quarter comebacks and a second-half comeback. Just this last week against the Tennessee Titans, uh, they've been doing it with timely defense, a running game, and a lot of Julio Jones early on in the season. Hey, D, tell me you saw in Devonta Freeman on the practice field in August all that he's doing on the game field this fall. I, I, you did. You did see it. Um, but, you know, they were running around in pants. So, you know, uh, <laughs> everybody looks good. good in gym class. You know, we don't get to see the padded practices anymore. So, yeah, we saw it in, in, in gym class. But, but once they put on the pads, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I have problems. I thought he was just a third down back. He caught the ball out the backfield well last year. I couldn't tell if he could run between the tackles or not uh, from his Florida State tape. Hey, D, FYI, Ron never looked good in gym class. Ah. <laughs> looked like a Greek Adonis, except I'm Portuguese, D. Uh, and last Sunday, Matt Ryan, friend of my, friend of myself, Boston College great, of course, becomes the fifth fastest quarterback in history to get to 30,000 uh, passing yards, joining Dan Marino, Kurt Warner, Peyton Manning, and Aaron Rodgers. One of those guys is a Hall of Famer, and the other three are Goose's favorite types, future Hall of Famers. He loves that <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> so, so how do you look at Matty Ice? Uh, does he belong on the same list as those guys, or is this just a statistical anomaly? Well, I think, uh, you know, he's had a great start to his career here, five straight winning seasons, something they haven't done. I think he has to uh, have some success in the playoffs. You know, he had him within 10 yards of the Super Bowl, but, you know, close doesn't count here in uh, the football world. So, uh, if he continues uh, – you know, he's also a great star, but he needs to finish a little bit stronger, take the team, elevate the team to a championship level, and uh, not just separate and separate himself from the group of just very good quarterbacks. You know, we don't want to put the just the very good people in the Hall of Fame. We want the great ones in there. We're speaking with D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And, D, I want to follow up on what Ron just asked you about Matty Ice. If I gave you a choice of quarterbacks, Joe Flacco or Matt Ryan, whom would you take and why? Uh, I would take Matt Ryan because he's elevated uh, a, a team that, uh, you know, has been uh, in the dumps, you know, post-Michael Vick, by Petrino. Uh, he pulled him right away. And uh, his ability to win at clutch time in the fourth quarter in the regular season has been phenomenal. Uh, you know, surely Flacco has a bigger arm but I like Ryan's accuracy and his winability in the late games over Flacco, and I'll take Ryan in that call. Okay, D, what is Dan Quinn doing that Mike Smith didn't? Well, he's doing a lot of the same things. I think they just got a new voice. But uh, the one thing that's markedly different there, Rick, is um, the defense has been simplified. They're not trying to do all these schemes and blitzes and stuff that they can't execute. 
He's playing two defenses and rallying up and tackling to the ball. That's uh, that's one thing that he's doing a lot, a lot uh, different than coach. He's stressing fundamentals. Uh, they're teaching tackling on a daily basis, and they are rallying to the ball. And uh, they did that early in Coach Smith's career, but they somehow got lost uh, over the last two years. Obviously, unlike uh, a lot of these divisions where they don't even have one team that's any good, uh, many and, and many teams that are odorous, uh, you got two, uh, apparently, two really good teams in your division. And the Falcons are in a dogfight with the undefeated Panthers. So, D, who's better in your mind, and who's the most likely of those two to win the division? Yeah, I'm staying with Carolina. I was with them early in the season. I had to predict that for the, the paper here. And I do that because I think their defense is the elite unit in the division. Uh, you know, nobody has two good units anymore in this uh, time of parity. So, uh, you know, the Falcons' offense, I don't believe, is better than the uh, Panthers' defense. And we saw that play out last year when these two teams were battling uh, for the playoff spot as uh, losing, losing teams uh, last year. And Carolina's uh, defense prevailed. They got Keekly and all those guys over there that really get after. And I think that makes them a better, better team here in the NFC South. Hey, D, and we're speaking with D. Orlando, led better the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. D, uh, I asked you a... Flacco or Ryan question earlier. I'm going to give you another choice here because that's what we're all about, choices on this show. These guys have asked in the past, who's the best wide receiver in the game? And Julio Jones' name comes up all the time. And my choice would be Odell Beckham Jr. But your choice would be who? Would it be Julio or somebody else? I, I'm still in the Calvin Johnson camp. I just uh, think he's wow. a phenomenal receiver. Uh, just has a... Uh, you know, one a lot, but I'll stay with Calvin Johnson in that one. Uh, Julio, I want to see him do it over a, a longer period of time and, uh, uh, you know, be healthy. He's had health issues in the past. Uh, but, yeah, that's a close call. And I, I do I do like Odell Beckham Jr. He, he put on a show when the Falcons played up there uh, earlier in the season. So I'll go with uh, Megatron on that one. D, you know what that means? Just like Devonta Freeman, we've got to run. But thanks for joining <laughs> us. Hey, and by the way, give our best to Scott Pioli, would you please? I will. I'll pass that along. I'll tell him you all said hello. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah, thanks, D. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, D. Thanks, D. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks for having me, Rick Brown and Clark. Take care. You got it. That was Atlanta Journal-Constitution reporter D. Orlando Ledbetter. And this, well, this is two-minute drill with our Ron Borges once again doing his best, Boris the Spider, by asking the creepy, crawly questions. Hey, Ron? Let's yes, sir. It. Here we go. Stephen Jones says the Cowboys want to extend Greg Hardy's contract one day after he shoved special teams coach Richard Biasia on the sidelines. Why would they get, what would they have given him if he grabbed him by the hair and threw him on his sofa? Hopefully airfare out of town. TV dinner. <laughs> John Harbaugh says his Ravens have lost five games by six points or less, which tells him they're competitive. What does it tell you? It tells me the Ravens are obviously not competitive enough. Tells me they're one and six. <laughs> Bears quarterback coach says it was really a blessing in disguise that Jay Cutler is playing without his top three receivers. What kind of disguised blessing is that? It depends if the receivers we're talking about are Mike Ditka, Johnny Morris, and Willie Galt. Just means his incompletions have less significance. 
uh, Houston Texans coach Billy O'Brien wanted to cut Ryan Mallett. General manager Rick Smith said, hold up a minute. Who changed Smith's mind? OB or Mallett saying he'd only overslept twice this season? OB says either Mallett goes or I go. Make it a choice the GM can understand, a financial choice. Uh, that would be Mallett, Ron. Bad quarterback plus bad excuses equals adios muchacho. <laughs> Should chewing tobacco be banned on team flights after Adrian Peterson swallowed his jaw and became so ill he was downgraded to questionable for last Sunday's game in Detroit? Chewing tobacco should be banned on all flights regardless of Adrian Peterson. Yeah, it should be for everyone but Ryan Mallett. <laughs> should the Raiders Charger game have been called Relocation Bowl 1? Not if the Rams aren't involved. Uh, Ron, San Diego's had another name for it. The Toilet Bowl. <laughs> Why didn't someone in the NFL offices on Park Avenue think of Relocation Bowl 1? Because the lovely Mrs. Judge no longer works there. Thank you very much. Because they're too busy trying to pump air back into Flategate. <laughs> the NFL claimed 33.6 million people viewed its streaming video of the Bills-Jaguar game from London. Then they cut it to 15.2 million. But Yahoo, which carried it, said the average was 1.64 million. Does the NFL have trouble counting or telling the truth? That's the last time they're going to let Ted Wells read the Nielsen's. <laughs> Ron, you're in New England. Ask Tom Brady. <laughs> The NFL now will play four games a year in London and just made a deal with Tottenham Hotspur to play in their new stadium as well as at Wembley. How long before it's 16 games in London? To quote Zagger and Evans in the year 25-25. Ask the Jacksonville Jaguars. We want to thank Steve Smith, Andrea Kramer, and dear Orlando Ledbetter for joining us, Derek Burns for producing us, and you for listening to us. If you'd like to catch this or any podcast, just go to our website, talkoffamenetwork.com, or look for us on iTunes. Otherwise, you can find us at this time and on this station next week. We'll look for you then. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodet, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow? The following was recorded at a Burger King drive-thru at breakfast. Morning, welcome to Burger King. Can I get a bacon, egg, and cheese for sandwich? Yeah, me too. I'll have a croissant. So one says croissant, and one says croissant. Yeah. yeah. Don't you guys know it's croissant? And they're just two for four dollars. Okay, weirdo. Can we drive up now? Piled high with thick-cut bacon or savory sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted cheese. Get two croissant breakfast sandwiches for just four dollars. Only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price and participation vary.